Can y'all hear me? Hey, I can I can hear you. I can't see you, but I can hear you. Bam! How about there? The chip is in. How you doing, sir? Good, how are you? Good, good, good. I like the freaking American flags and everything in the background, my friend. You look like a president about to give a presidential address. <laughs> I'm not prepared for that. <laughs> no, not yet, not yet. So how you been, man? How you been doing? Doing real good. It has been, you were one of, what, what year was it when we had you on last time? You were one of the first people. Man, I think it was 2016 because when I was, I don't use my Skype at all, like, you guys were, I think, the last people I talked to. Oh, said shit. Something in 2016. I, I, uh, I think you're right. And I remember we, King of the List started in 2016. Okay. Dog, have we come a long way? Yeah. Holy shit. You, you and me both, my friend. Tw- 20, <laughs> Absolutely. 2016, the be- I think we talked the beginning of 2016. I hadn't even done a single IPF World commentating gig yet, even. Like, I had never commentated at the World Championships. I've been doing it ever since. King of List just started. Like, man, this, you know, it's not ancient history 2016, but holy smokes, and things change. Yeah. Still. Yeah. It's been a wild few years. It's been it's been a while, man. And um, I'm just pulling up. So you've had a bit of, a like, some ups, downs, and all-arounds, and, and quite the story yourself that I kind of want to get into. But, um... Just looking at, so I pulled up some some of the stats here. And you help me out with the story, Colin, because I don't want to mess up the story. But it's a pretty good one. It's an, and it's a redemption story to where you're at right now. Uh, but let's, let's bring it back. Because t- 2017 is where at the World Games, um, there was a ball mount at the World Games. That's 2017. 2018, Arnold Titan Pro Bench. Uh, same deal. Arnold, SBD Pro, like there was a rough patch where you were like, you know, you were tasting some victories, but all of a sudden you you went through a slump and um, we didn't, we weren't talking at the time. We didn't have you on at the time, but I would like to double back to that period because we know you end up rebounding, but it was a journey, my friend. And, and what, what was it like when you're going through a slump like that, when you're on top of the world before that? Yeah, I, I don't think it's all that uncommon with the equipped lifting. Like, my strength was as good as it had ever been. There's a lot of unknown things with uh, the equipped lifting that can really hurt you on game day. And the, the World Games bomb out was actually because of my back. That was, that was like the pinnacle. That was like the straw that broke the camel's back, really, was the World Games. Like, I went to see Stuart McGill a few months before World Games because my back had been so bad. Like, I would... I have a ruptured disc and I would tweak it about every, every two or three weeks into the point where I just, I went and saw Stuart McGill up in Toronto um, and then had the world games a few, few weeks later and uh, bombed out on deadlift actually mm. because of my back. So. And how bad was that injury? Like, was it, was it when it's that bad that you're traveling to Toronto and Canada and, and seeing Stuart McGill, whoever, if you guys don't know him, I mean, he's at the pinnacle in terms of, like, he, he is the back guy. And then, you know, having that happen to you at the World Games, which is probably, again, the pinnacle for powerlifting, at least. Um, was there questions on, oh, shit, like, it was, was it as bad as you thought maybe your future was in doubt or what you want to do? Or what was your mindset at the time? Um, it didn't put my future in doubt. Uh, slicing my arm open in 20. 20- 
Sub Pharisee 2019. That that put my future in doubt more than anything. But uh, the World Games bomb out. Um, it sucked because I was so far ahead. You know, they don't do it by total; they do it by Wilkes. I was so far. Like I opened it 739 pounds. I think that's like 330 kilos. I could have opened it probably 20 kilos less and still won. Um, oh. But but by the time my back was done in the warm up room, we couldn't change my my attempt and. It sucked because, I mean, who knows if how with IPF points and World Games and all that, if I'll have another shot at that, but uh, yeah. it sucked. It is, yeah, it kind of is what it is. So then, obviously, USAPL, um, this is the Pro SBD American, the Titan Pro Bench. What, what, do you, what was basically happening there? Because it, it, for a little bit, in a, like on the international scene, I mean, you were having a rough go, but not just a rough go, but failing to register totals. And for a guy who's a world champion, you know, it, did it start getting to you where you're like, all right, I get it. It's part of the sport. But there's a bit of a run there where you're like, man, this is, you know, you have some injuries, some of it, may, maybe maybe other reasons. But what was going on there on your side, mentally and physically? Um, I honestly didn't take it that hard because the reason that I love lifting and got into it in the first place is to gauge my strength and get my strength better. And all the meets I bombed out, it wasn't wasn't like my strength was down it was just some technical thing with like the shirt that day uh bombing on the bench like and i'm i'm a home run hitter man like i i line up and i swing for the fences so when it lines up it leads to some huge numbers but sometimes you swing and you miss yeah and that's the variable that the gear brings like there is a variable in terms of potential for bomb in terms of like it's it's a whole lot more anxious at that level Especially with the type of weight oh, you're yeah. moving as a 120 plus. Yeah. Did you did you start feeling like, you know, by the end of, of 2018, uh, you were winning U.S. Nationals, but were you starting to feel a little bit like, look at me. So at the end of 2018, let's bring it to there. Um, it's the the World Championships, and I want to get the gentleman's name right. And this is a, a good... Uh, Andre... Konovalov of Russia, of Mother Russia. So you guys, after having a bit of a rough go on the international stage, you guys battle it out at the World Championships. And Andre comes in first, and you take second, and he takes your world title. What? Bring me back to there, because there's a big rematch between you two. And, and it's and now you guys got a bit of a rivalry, which is good. But tell me about um, that, that showdown and, and how that unfolded for you. Yeah, so that that was the uh, 2018 World Championships there in Sweden, um, and I think about six weeks before that meet is when I had my squatting accident. Uh, I dumped 1,025 pounds and sliced my arm open. Uh, and that was so brutal. Holy fudge, dude! Yeah. That was disgusting. We holy yeah. moly. So I, the training for that meet sucked, but. You know, I've been doing it for so long and been in the gear for so long that I was able to get, get it together enough to be able to compete at the meet. And uh, I, I'd say of every international IPF World Championship I've been to on the equip side, there's always been big-time drama with close lifts and judging. So um, I squatted 1,025 on my opener. I did 1047 twice. Um, came up with it both times. Both times were called on depth. Uh, I think he, he squatted 1047, um, his path on depth. 
and then the bench um i did 915 on bench and then i did uh 937 i think i did it twice and the third time third time it was good it was called by the judges on the platform and then i got overturned by the jury mm. um and then going into deadlifts which is you know my nemesis i just wasn't able to I don't remember what I needed, but I think I ended up losing by two and a half kilos or something on the total. So it yeah, sucked. It was, it was, it's a 1,225 kilo you had, and you had 1,227.5, which is ridiculously close. I mean, that's, uh, for, for the type of kilos you guys have, two and a half kilos separating you is like fractions, fractions, you know, and in talking about that injury, so it was leading into this world. How bad was that injury? So fortunately, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't cut any tendons. Somehow, I mean, if probably a lot of the listeners have seen a picture or seen a video, I mean, it it wasn't just a cut; like it cut clean through my skin into my tissue. I had guts hanging out of my arm. It, it was it was insane. Like I don't want to. Maybe we'll show a picture in this video if you want to send me one. I'll put it because this is YouTube as well. But it looked like you got in a fucking samurai sword fight, man. Like you and you yeah. took and you. And you blocked with your fucking arm with no armor, dude. It, that was it was crazy. You when you say guts coming out, it really did look like guts coming out. And I'm thinking like, what is in your arm that looks like that? But it's probably tons of muscle tissue and like, but it all was coming out. Like it looked. You must have been rattled when you look. How, how did it feel? Did you realize when it happened? Was it like a pinch and and you didn't realize how bad it was? Or when it happened, were you like, holy shit? I'm afraid to look at it. Yeah, so I went to re-rack the 1,025, and uh, the rack tipped over. And so the only thing that was going through my head is like, all right, don't die. And it, the bar caught on the bench hooks on the rack, and then it you know, crashed at the floor. So I was like, all right, I probably screwed up my equipment. My spotting boxes went flying, and I looked down to take my wrist wraps off. And I have, I mean, my life is hanging out of my arm there. So you, di- you didn't feel it? No. I, didn't, oh, I had so this- much... Adrenaline going through me. Isn't the human body insane that like uh, yeah. you can go through some trauma like that? Like, dude, this is that was a disgusting gash, and um, and you don't even feel it. It must you must have crazy crazy adrenaline going through your body. Yeah, big time. But what happened when you saw it and you're like, holy shit? Yeah, I saw it, and I mean, at the time I thought like this is it. This is this is it, man. It was just me and my wife in the gym. Um, and I tried to hide it from her when I was taking my wrist wrap off. And I was like, we got to go to the hospital. Got to go right now. Ugh. So just jumped in her Jeep. Um, and we live in a small town in Wyoming. Um, and I just, I grabbed a towel on the way out and I just wrapped it as tight as I could. And I was, I was trying to stay collected, but I was like, I mean, I thought this is how people go. You bleed dude, out. Dude, it, like, I, cause when you say this is it, yeah, you're, you're not just talking your powerlifting, like, cause I, you, obviously Look at when people when people want to go, they slash the wrists. My friend, yours yeah. was the worst slash I'd ever seen. Yours was like, like yeah, the arteries and veins going through your forearm. That is how people die. That's that's not an exaggeration. We're not. This is not hyperbole. Yours was fucking disgusting. Like there was no way yeah. you didn't cut some major arteries. The clock is ticking. Someone yeah. someone put a sand glass, turned it over, and said, "If you're not at the hospital by the time this thing's empty, you're in big trouble." Yeah. So, for, I mean, fortunately, we do have a hospital in our town. Um, my wife rushed me there. I just ran into the ER room. 
Uh, again, it's a small town, so my wife actually knew the ER doctor on call. Oh, um, shit. They, they got me in and shot me up with chemicals. The and good stuff. <laughs> the good stuff. And, um, yeah. I just, I tried to not think about it and let them go to work. Uh, I didn't slice through any tendons or ligaments, which was the miracle, because if I did that, it, I mean, I'd probably be done competing at the level I do. Yeah. Um, but the, it was cut down to him. Like, he was having me move my fingers and watching the tendons. So, I mean, he was, he had a, I cut all those down. Dude, this is like, this is like when Arnold Schwarzenegger Negger was a Terminator and he was over the sink. Like, dude, this is, like, it's, oh, man, I'm not the guy to be able to go through that. But to see the things moving, I can't believe you didn't cut, like, any of those major things. Dude, did you cut veins and arteries and shit? I mean, yeah, everything down to right where the tendons are. God, man. How much blood did you lose, man? Man, it was, it was disgusting. Like, uh... I had one of my friends come and lock my gym up, and then um, I don't know, probably a week or so later, I came back to the gym, and there was—I hate this to be gross—but there's blood obviously everywhere, like just all over the gym. But there was like chunks of meat, like <laughs> like. Okay. Oh, oh, and then, Jesus Christ! There was like chunks if, of meat. If you if you like leave ground beef out that like dries oh, and hardens. I mean, I had it, like, random places, like, on my rack, on benches, like, on the floor that I would just, like, find weeks later. And just... Oh, my God. There were chunks of you. <laughs> I don't even know what that would be like to be, first off, if, if this isn't a, this is, this is your own personal gym. This isn't a, a commercial gym. Right. Because if someone walked in the gym, they'd be like, who the hell got murdered here earlier? Okay. Yeah, this is a murder scene. The police will be called, and there's chunks of a, of a human being all over the place. Did you, and you have to clean this up. I guess I mean, dude, that's a that's a weird sensation. And, and you knew at the time, so the doctor said you should be a hundred percent, or was uh, it going to be? He he told me I think it was like eight to twelve weeks before he wanted me to start like using my my hand and forearm muscles because. Like the the wound and the gash was so big, like yeah. it was so big that um, any any like pumping there he thought was gonna rip the skin. God. But he he kind of knew me and he knew what I had to do. He's like, you shouldn't do anything for eight to twelve weeks. I know you're probably not going to. So I got um I have a, there's a good physical therapist in town and they would do this like insane hardcore taping to keep the the wound and the yeah. the scar closed and then i got permission to wrap it to keep compression on when i competed the type of weight you're gonna have in terms of pressure though like you're going over 400 kilo in your hands yeah like that that's it's it's insane the type of pressure when you unrack all throughout your arms you're holding you hit 415 kilo like, that, I can only imagine, look, at, I remember the other day I was doing, like, paw squats and I had broken blood vessels around my eyes because of the pressure. And people get nosebleeds and whatnot. I can only imagine what the doctor's thinking. How far out from the world championships was this cut? Uh, I think it was about six, about six weeks. Oh, wow. So it's about half of what he said when you should start. You're only halfway there, and you already had to compete. Not to mention you yeah. Now, so what was training like leading into this then? Uh, <laughs> I mean, up till then, it, 
it kind of sucked because I was trying to back off on how often I was in my gear for that training cycle. So I had hardly been in my gear at all up until the accident happened. And then the accident happened, and I don't know, I think I had like two weeks of real true heavy weight to like just feel where I was at. And I mean, again, fortunately, I've been doing it so long that I didn't really, you know, I didn't, my training and my strength didn't catastrophically collapse. I just yeah. kind of have a, a baseline of where I'm usually at, and that's where I just had to go with. You're trying to make do with what you got. Yeah. And see what happens. So when you go to battle um, with the Russian, have you guys faced off before? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think three. I think three times. And what was your record before that? So the first time it was the Worlds in 2012 in Puerto Rico, which was like my first World Equip meet. I was just getting into the equipment then. Uh, I got like sixth that year, and then uh, I think. Uh, 2015 Worlds in Luxembourg, I lost on my last deadlift, and then did 20... He, did he win it that year? Yeah. Okay. And then 2018 was Sweden, the year I cut my arm open, and then 2019 this year in So let's get, to that, let's get to that one sec, but... So leading into this, this man has a couple wins over you, and, and now this happens, and you're telling yourself, ah, shit. You know, you... You want to win. You got a guy. You you had previously won, so it's a battle of champions, right? But so you, you have an opportunity a to defend your title, but also you have a guy that you hadn't beat yet. So everyone gets juiced up when it's a, a you know a de- champion versus champion situation. It's a showdown, and when you realize, holy smokes, I'm not going to be 100. percent You know, are, are you? What's the mentality going in there? Do you still think you can win it? Are you still like look at the game plan is what it is, or or what was it like walking into that situation? Yeah, I mean, I still, I still expected to win, and that, that's the different thing about gear and equip meets is like the strongest guy doesn't always win. It's the guy that, the guy that gets lifts in, the guy that gets lifts past is the guy that wins. So, I mean, I, I knew going in that I still had plenty strength to win. I mean, I, I made a, let's see, a twenty kilo jump on my squats, and I did it twice, but it didn't pass. Mm. I made a, another twenty kilo jump on my bench. I, again, I did it twice, and one of the times it passed on the platform and got overruled by the jury. So, I mean, I, I knew I I was still expecting to win. I lost by two and a half kilos and had, what, 40, 40 kilos of jumps that I made with lifts that were borderline that didn't go my way. Yeah, and, that's, and that is sports, right, where sometimes the calls go your way, sometimes the calls don't. At that point, on the international scene at least, were you starting to get like, man, I, I need – you know, I want to write this shit because especially when you know you're strong, you know, you're good for it. Um, so walking into 2019 and, you know, Dubai was coming and, you know, you know, um, I hope I'm not butchering his name, but Andre Konovalov. Am I saying it right? Do you know? I think so. Do you guys talk at all? Because he's Russian. No. 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 How is it no. like? How is it like? Because the difference between like certain nations, you know, the Eastern Europeans are stoic. Obviously, there's a language barrier, and I mean, people just carry themselves culturally, carry themselves differently. What's it like when you guys see each other? Because now you've seen each other three times. Yeah, so he's done a lot of podcasts or interviews like this after meets in the World Games, and he says, and he just talks 
so much trash. Like really, like 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 true trash that you don't really see in the powerlifting world. And I don't know how much of it's lost in translation or not, but uh, he says incredibly negative stuff about me and my lifts. Um, so there's no love lost there at all. What? So is he doing these podcasts in Russian? Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 interesting because sometimes we get caught up in our world, and we have our social media, we have our podcasts. We the world's a big place, and obviously, yeah, Russia's got to have some podcasts. There's got to be some big Russian podcast. They're a big nation. They're like a hundred and whatever the hell million people over there, and a lot of other nations speak Russian as well. So it totally makes sense. How did you? I don't know any of these Russian podcasts, but was it brought to your attention? Hey, my man is on some podcasts talking some shit. Like, how did you even find out about it? Yeah. Well, there's one uh, IPF guy that does a lot of podcasts with Russian athletes, and he'll, he translates them. So he'll have, like, translated subtitles at the bottom. And then yeah. Andre himself is, like, he's shared stuff on social media of me, like, missing big lifts or oh, me, like, d- dumping bars, like, yeah, in competition. So, no, holy smokes, man. This is like the 74 kilo boys. <laughs> <laughs> Only the big boys. And, and um, so what are, what are like some of the things he had said? Uh, I've got a whole board of them over here, actually. Let's uh, see. Let's 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 visit this board, my friend. I I mean it's it can be tough to see to see. Uh, I love that you made a board. Yeah. What read read a few yeah. read a few of the big hits off for me. All right, I'll just I'll pick one. Let's see. Uh, uh, I can say that he always crumbles under pressure in 2012 when he lost to Ray Williams in Classic. Um, history seems to be repeating itself. Um, he says, I'm not good in a deadlift. Uh, says that my my squat form is very sloppy and that I squat high. And then he's got, got um, pictures that he's in uh, the worlds in Puerto Rico, which were in 2012, my first world's. Uh, I dumped I dumped a squat bar there. Um, it was my first international meet, and he like he shares those those photos and stuff all the time. You know this this is I didn't know that like Eastern Europeans would be into the trash talk, and I thought they were more like quiet types, stoic. But this is totally different. What, what, like yeah. is this has he been doing this for years then? Yeah, I don't even know when it first started because, like, uh, in 2012, I, I got sixth place at that world. So it's not like I was towards the top or anything. Um, and then I guess it was when I started doing good, even before we competed against each other, he starts sharing these things and saying all this, this negative stuff yeah. about me. So I don't even know where it comes from. What was, what was the impact on you when you heard it? Because obviously, like, you took these, you printed these off, you bring them into your gym. I seen you, you're like a bull when you're about to squat. Everybody's seen, like, you got the war paint on, you're ready. Um, what is the impact? Because it obviously means something. Yeah, it's probably the worst thing he could have ever done. Oh, wow. Probably the best thing he could have done for my total. I mean, it's, I just use it as motivation. Yeah. And, and, and has he, when you guys see each other at the World Championships, is it all awkward? Is there any kind of communication? Or is there there's just silence? We will... We'll shake hands when it's over, but it's I'll see you next year type deal. Yeah, and there's no communication. I I stare him and his coaches, go for the intimidation. 
Uh, it, there's no communication. Is it like that? Like, what is the? I can only imagine. You know, it's it's it's. I was on another podcast just recently, and we were talking about how social media is weird. It's like you're in a car. You know, when you're in a car and you got road rage, and people are far more likely to say things and do things, react in a car because there's no face to face. It's almost like they're not human when you're doing it. But if you're face to face. There's a human aspect of it when you're looking at someone in the eyes and you're like, first off, yeah, the confrontation factor. Most people aren't like, hey, I want to get in a confrontation over something small. Most people like, look at it. You start when you're face to face. Do we want a confrontation over some petty shit? But even more than that, when you look at someone in the eyes, you're like, this, this is a human. This is a dude. He's a man just like me. It's harder to, to just attack somebody like that when you're face to yeah. face. You actually feel bad about it. When you're in a car and you got road rage, you don't feel bad about it because it's just a car passing you by. You don't own nothing. You could be like, what the fuck? You pull up and it's like somebody who's grandma and you're like, oh, God. And you feel bad. Same thing with like, if you're face to face with somebody, you're going to be a little more, you look at them and you're like, man, I could I could have made the same mistake. I could have whatever got you rattled. Social media is the same. Where you, to an extent, there's no human connection. You post and everybody around you is like, oh, hell yeah, go in on them. And it's it's easier. You don't see the dude. Got, you, but you guys are in total opposite ends of the world. But when you finally see each other, they're, I mean, what's it like when you walk in a warm-up room or you walk into the weigh-ins and you're like, fuck, we're about to see each other after all of this shit. Like that's, is it, how awkward is that to see this dude, it, even just to look at each other in the eyes? Or do you avoid it because this is fucking uncomfortable? No, I, it's not awkward or uncomfortable. I I look forward to it. I like really for like the week, the weeks leading up to it. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to just look at him and just stare at him until he looks away. Yeah, yeah. And do those battles happen? Is it like I'm gonna stare and you're gonna look away first? Yeah, and I I don't know how much of it is lost in translation, like how negatively he means some of the things that he does or says. But yeah, man. Do have you ever replied? No. Have you ever replied back? Uh, yeah, actually, on before Worlds this year, I posted one of my squats. I don't know, like a thousand forty-seven training squat or something. And he said, "Like Blaine, what about your depth?" Um, and I had a snarky remark to him, and it was awesome because at Worlds, I had the deepest squats I've had in my life in gear. I mean, I went three for three, and I had three white lights on my squats, and they were dude is their bottom. So he was commentating on 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 your what was your snarky remark? Um, I think I called him weak and that his lips are bad. Okay, that's fair. I, was it always just about powerlifting though? It sounds like you guys just always, you guys never got personal. It was just a sport. You kept it the sport. Yeah, there's probably too much of a language barrier to, to make it more than that. Yeah, and this, look, in terms of like your squats are a little high, whatever, you could take that. It's motivation for lifting more weights or whatever, but it never has to get to the point where it's like, offensive you know what i mean like where if the worst thing someone could say about you is you know what i think your squat depth's questionable i mean fire okay <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what i mean as long as it's that now after 2018 when you've been waiting to get a little get back with this gentleman and and the hype that had been going with with like the trash talk that's what's going on the injury um and, and even like bigger than him but that's a lot of motivation as well Bigger than him, having at the international level, you, some performance where you're like, man, I was strong, but 
like you had said, in equipment, there's other variables. And you're like, I don't know. The hardest part for, I think, athletes is feeling as though you didn't put forth your 100% of your potential and showed what you're capable of. And that's, like, if you lose and it's everything you could have done, you can almost be like, I did everything I could. What am I going to do? But when you, if you bomb or lose and you're like, that wasn't me, though. Like, I didn't get to unveil the package. And, like, people didn't yeah. get to see it. So then when you go into the World Championships 2018 and you're facing, like, a, a heated rival, too. And you're like, fuck, I me, mean, if I got to lose, I don't want to lose this guy. And this happens. What was your taste? What was the taste in your mouth leaving Sweden? Um, It was it was bittersweet. Like, of course, I, I wanted to win. I lost by two and a half kilos and had 40 kilos of lifts that were borderline turned down. But at the same time, I was like, man, after I thought I almost died and cut my arm off, like, it's pretty cool to just even be lifting weights still. Yeah, you're like, hey, every now and then you're like, I'm alive. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it actually puts a little perspective on things when you came that close. So going into 2019, and you know the rematch is coming up, and you're training, and obviously the strength was, was uber high, and you're going into uh, Dubai. Um well, first off, okay, I'll back it up. Let's let's continue the storyline because I got some other questions, but let, let's continue. This, let's wrap this one up first. So when you're looking at the nominations and you see he's nominated and you guys are going to go to Dubai, what are your thoughts leading into this competition? Uh, same thing that they've been the last few years. Like if I if I hit my lifts, it won't be close. Like I'll win by, I'll win by a mile if I hit my lifts. That's all I got to do. Mm-hmm. And when you guys, and when you touch down, and I'm going to pull this up, because for anyone listening, hit your list, you did, my friend. You ended up setting a world record, um, uh, 1,275.5 kilo total, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you're 50 kilo over him. He actually ended up missing uh, two of his last three deadlifts, going for some Hail Mary passes there, trying to cover some ground, but it just wasn't going to happen for him. On this day, did you feel like, I mean, obviously the bench wasn't exactly where you, like, bench got a little dicey, and sometimes we yeah. quit lifting and did, but was there any major scares in 2019? Like when the bench was going down and, and you had, you got it in your third, were you telling yourself at any one point, oh my God, not again. This can't keep happening on the international level. Uh, I mean, it was, it was extremely stressful and the pressure was on, and again, there was more drama with the benches, so, um... Actually, my first bench passed two to one on the platform. And then I don't know if Russia protested it or, or what, but the jury overruled it, saying my head came up. Second bench, again, it passed two to one. Jury overruled it, said my head came up. Mm. So I'm going to I'm going to my third bench. Like it's I mean, it feels physically impossible for me to keep my head down and I shave my head. Just like I'm so I'm so big that yeah. when you come down, the, your shoulders and back just—I mean, I gotta—I yeah. gotta look <laughs> behind me to have my head on the bench. So, uh, third bench, um, you know, the, the first two had passed and got overruled by the jury. Third one finally passed, and once I saw it passed and it stuck, I was like, "All right, I, I got this. I just gotta deadlift what I've been capable of, and I got it in the bag." And ironically, my friend. Um... With everything that you said about the deadlift, you guys ended up having the exact same deadlift that day. Yeah. So, so he's a better deadlifter than me, so I know I have to be ahead by a certain amount going into it. Yeah. Um, 
you know, he just he missed the second one, and I don't even know what he was doing on his third. He went for a hell mary four oh five. Yeah, and so you had pushed him. It, it is that's where like the game plan comes in, where you you need to build a big enough total so he's forced to load the bar with something that's just out of reach for him. Yeah, is that was that win the most satisfying win of your career? You think? Um. Yeah, I I'd say so. And why do you think that is? Yeah, I haven't really enjoyed competing at the the equipped open world championships just because it takes the fun out of it when like I get I get my lifts turned down for technical reasons. And I, I'm not saying that the lifts are good, I'm, they're usually borderline, but it just I mean it, it's taking the fun out of it, taking the wind out of my sails to like every lift seems like it's turned down two to one, turn down two to one and it's borderline. So, uh, you know, it felt good to like go to a meet and just absolutely bury my squats, get lifts passed there. Um, and then the bench had a lot of drama, but obviously it was my biggest total. I didn't hit any individual lift PRs, um, but I PR my total. Mm. So. And the satisfaction now that, um, you put a win over this gentleman who had been elusive. Does the board still, have the same motivation after you've defeated him? Ah, uh, no, not quite as much. It's a little easier, right? Like when you look at the board, and you're like, "Yeah, but I, I, I already went past that gentleman." And what did he say yeah. afterwards? Uh, we didn't, we didn't talk. Wait, is there like a shaking of hands or anything like that? No. Whoa, really? You guys are all in. Wow, man, I didn't realize it was like that. This might be. Because even the 74 kilo guys, have you been paying attention to what's going on in, in like the classic divisions? Uh, honestly, not not really. Okay, yeah, there's been a lot of like trash talking on social media as well. But these are all Americans speaking the same language, obviously, showing up in the same competitions routinely. So it's it's a little different. And when they all speak the same language, they, the chitter chatter can go back and forth at live time on social media. But this is oh, a little yeah. different. This is like a global thing. This is like crossing yeah. nationalities, crossing, you know, language barriers, the whole night. Do you think, like, yeah. is is the beef kind of behind you guys? Or is it going to be like, man, every single year we're going to have to deal with each other? Yeah, I, I don't know, nor do I care. Yeah, because it can get exhausting if you carry that too much, right? Yeah, and it, I mean, it's to the point now, like, as long as I hit my lifts, it won't be close. So that, you know, I can't. I can't worry about him. I gotta if I get my lips in, if I get one or two squats, one or two benches in, that's all I need. Mm, yeah. Um, I wanna get your opinion on obviously even if even if you were did you watch the do you watch the classic world championships at all? I pay attention to the heavyweights, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then s- somewhat to the lighter classes. And what was your impressions there when you saw um obviously Ray Williams had bombed out and I know, like when I was when I was calling it live, that was that was wild, my friend. Like I, I, you know, I've seen a lot of people. This happens. I gotta tell you, you know, this happens in our sport. Um, it's just when for Ray to bomb out is uh, it's different because he, like, he's a guy on ESPN. He's a dude. He he has to carry. Like, there's a lot of pressure involved when when you're Ray Williams. And um, he took it hard because it was almost like he was taking it like he was letting the sport down. He's letting so many people down, which is tough for one guy to carry, right? Because uh, he's mm-hmm. 
between all of us, he's going on to the ESPN. He's doing what he's doing. What was your, when you saw that happen, were you gutted? And like, cause you've been there, you felt that, you know, what's your, do yeah. you have a relationship with Ray where you guys talk? Well, uh, we don't talk frequently, but every, every few months we hit each other up. Yeah. And it, it sucked to see and it. I don't know what, what's worse, but it sucks when you're so much stronger than everyone else. And then you bomb, right? Like it's not, it's not like he's neck and neck with someone and, and he bombed out and, you know, it, he was right close with someone. I mean, he's, if you, if his squat is, I don't know what on that day, but if his squat is 20, 30 kilos less, you know, he probably gets a squat in and wins on openers. Yeah. So it's kind of extra heartbreaking when you see that happen when someone's like so much stronger than the competition, but they can't register the total. Yeah, it's tough. Um, did you see the Raw Nationals? And, and, and yeah. uh, Ray bounced back. Obviously, he won that, and he's going to move forward now. Um, and since then, also, there's the SBD Invitational. And we got some money going on now. And there's like, like this is some good money. They got over over a quarter of a million dollars, maybe $300,000. I got to check the numbers because there's a conversion from pounds to the U.S. But there's a lot of money being tossed out there now for the U.S. Uh, or for, for, sorry, excuse me, the SBD Invitational. When you see something like that, is it enticing for you to be like, ah, shit, you know, what would my squat be if I was raw? What would my, uh, do you think about it when you see that kind of money? Yeah, of course the thought crosses my mind, but when I retired from raw lifting in, in 2015, it was because of my hips. Uh, I tore both hip labrums. That's right. And like driving or sitting, I mean, was excruciating. So they're, they're a little better now just because I'm not trying to push raw squats as heavy and frequently as I used to. Um, but also with, I mean, the IPF point system, I don't know how they're paying out at the SBD, but it seems like it's for records and IPF points. I mean, Ray is going to, Ray would have to, I think he'd have to like total more than I have equipped yeah. to be, to be the top. So like these us guys that are over 270 pounds or so, I mean, the, the IPF points are hopeless. Yeah. At the the Arnold last year for the bench only meet, I benched a thousand pounds. A guy in the same weight class as me benched like eight twenty. So like almost two hundred pounds less and he had more IPF points. Oh, same shit. same weight class and I benched almost two hundred pounds more. So, so the Yeah, you just basically throwing your hands up and like, well that's that. Yeah. These kind of things aren't gonna happen. You know that it is yeah. a fair point. It is um I mean, I know um, I've seen the dots formula. I'm not sure if you've seen that. I had the dots creator come online um, onto the podcast, and he was talking about how much closer everything is under the dots formula. And he, I think it was showing where, like, Ray, he still would Taylor Atwood would still be number one, but it'd be actually conceivable again. We're, we're right back yeah. into, like, everybody is within a few points of each other. And it would be on a good day, you win. On a bad day, he wins. In, in it's an even playing field. But when it comes to these formulas, oh, you can almost not make everybody happy. It's always right. going to be... It, 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 we'll see how it all unfolds, but SPD, they're watching, they're paying attention, and this is year one. They might, you know, shake up the system, have more cash incentives for... Obviously, there's world records as well, but they might have more head-to-head showdowns, etc. I mean, this is year one, and they're not planning on going nowhere. Hopefully, 
what would you say if they started one for a quit? Oh, I'd, I'd be in it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's a... I'd, quit breaking, I'd quit breaking world records at the Arnold and Worlds and save them for the money at the SBD. Well, this is it. You know what? Like, there was, um, I forget who it was, competed since Worlds, and obviously SBD hasn't happened yet, and they, oh, I think it was a European championship, um, Anatoly. For, who's a 93 kilo world champion, and um, he didn't come out for his third deadlift. He had it won with the second deadlift. And people are like, you know what? Some people who didn't understand the situation are like, you know what? Come on, you got to take all nine lifts. It's respect to your competitors. It's whatever. And other people who were like, yeah, but it's also money. This dude's gonna get paid at the SBD Invitational to break this world. Don't make it harder on yourself. Don't nudge this thing another 10 kilo on an amazing day. And now you have to have an amazing day plus one later on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're feeling great. I got you. And sometimes those great feeling days come around and you want to make hay while the sun shines. But you are going to take money out of your bank. You know, it's, it's only getting bigger. And the cash prize, who knows how much bigger it gets in the future. So it's, um, it's interesting. It's starting to change the game a little bit now that we're talking about this kind of money. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's this is the first time I had seen this. We'd seen it in the untested, but in in terms of the tested division, IPF, we're starting to see some money come in now. Is this? I mean, if you is this something? I know you, I know you were you're, you're, you have injuries, and this is why you're in the equipment. But I'd also seen you squat raw, and your squat you can you can shoot some big weights around with no equipment on. Is it something just that you can't necessarily sustain for? A full training cycle, or is it? Have you ever thought, all right, what if I train in equipment a little bit while the hips are getting banged up, take it off a little closer to the meet, and on meet day see what happens? Because when I look at your numbers, my man, you got—I mean, you got some big raw numbers as well. Yeah, I mean, raw was what I got into and what yeah. I loved, and it was my it was my favorite kind of lifting, um, but. It's, it's just such a double-edged sword because when I, re- I kind of retired from Raw in 2015, went straight to the equipment, and initially, and for a few years, like I was much healthier. But now it's to the point in my squat, and especially my bench, where the, the weights I'm handling are so much, mm. where it's it like killed my joints. So it's, uh, it's a double-edged sword, but you know, if they're only paying out for IPF points or for world records – there's not really an incentive for me to do it because as IPF points stand now, like I, I mean, it's truly impossible to, to say take the IPF points and then you know raise world records for squat yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and total. Like you know, even if I was fully healthy, I'm not going to be deadlifting what he was and, and squatting what he was for the for his world records. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. would you ever do it just to be a part of that party, just to see? You know, I mean, how many guys has there been? There, there actually has been nobody who's won both a raw and equipped world championships. Am I right in terms of, of the one twenty plus? In in the same year or or just period? Because hasn't it always been? Was it Ray? Was it? It's always been Ray and Jezza, obviously in, in two thousand nineteen. But nobody else has won a classic heavy one twenty plus. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, you won the world I, cup. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty much like that's one of those. That was basically a world championships. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess no one in the heavyweights has done it. No, no. And I mean, there's who know how old are you right now, Lane? Thirty-two. 
32. Oh, wow. You're still in your prime, man. How, how much longer do you feel you're going to do this? Um, as, as long as I can. I love it. I can't imagine doing anything else. And how's the body holding up? Because you're right. When you talk about, like, the because you have gear, the amount of weight on your skeleton and on your nervous system and on all your joints, I can't even imagine having a 1,000 pounds over my chest. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and your shirt helps you on the descent. But, my friend, you have a 1,000 pounds in your hands. Like this, yeah. you have to hold this out, and it's it's coming down the chain, the arm, hitting every single joint. And some of these joints, we're talking wrists and the whole nine. You know, it's got to be taking a toll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, part of me envies like a seventy-four or eighty-three kilo lifter who could do this their entire life and be at the top. The reality of being a heavyweight, if you're not three hundred seventy to four hundred pounds, you're not going to be the best. I mean, Ray, Jezza, myself. Joe Capolino, the Russian, like, I mean, all these, if you're, if you're 300 pounds, you're not going to compete with the dudes that are 370, 400. That's insane to say, but it's true. But 300 yeah. pounds is too small. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I know I can't be at this level forever, you know, carrying around this kind of body weight and at, trying to bench a thousand pounds and squat over 1100. Like it just, there's a, there's, it's just a ticking time clock and it, at some point, the body's not going to do it anymore. What? So you weighed in at 175 kilo. Um, what is that? It, the year that you won in 2019 Dubai. What is that in freedom units? Uh, like 392 or something. Okay. And is it hard to sustain that? Like, like yeah. You, how many how many calories do you got to eat a day to sustain that? Eight thousand. Holy. Dude, wow, you didn't hesitate yeah. to answer that either. You didn't have to search. So this is, so this like 8,000, I was about to ask, this is something that you have to actively pursue. But of course, no, hunger, nobody's hungry for 8,000. Nobody's like, hey, I'm still hungry after 7,000. Like that's, that's fucking crazy. Are you, yeah. Do you have to, I've seen documentaries. I think a lot, like I love those not Netflix documentaries with those pro strongmen who are like massive men and they talk about how like you got to force feed to get big. You have to like people like, like I dieting is tough, but on the other end of the spectrum, force feeding is very difficult. You can force yourself to not eat. You just don't fucking do it. But forcing yeah. yourself to eat, you have to force it in. You have to make it happen. Like, well, what, what, what is how much, like obviously 8,000 calories, but how often do you got to have something in your mouth going down and how difficult is it? <laughs> it it's the chicken shakes, man. All the, all, all the followers on Instagram know about it, but I did, I drink eight shakes a day. They're a thousand calories each chicken breast, rice. Oh my um, God. All almonds. Yeah. So I just have, they're about a thousand calories each and I drink eight of them a day. So that's all that's, that's your whole 8,000. You don't eat normal food. Uh-uh. I mean, if I if I like miss, because on the days that I train heavy, I obviously have more calories. Um, so if I like miss a shake or two, um, and get hungry, I'll go eat regular food. But it's probably only probably eat regular food once or twice a week. In this chicken shake, it, it, I, I'm trying to picture it. Is this like a paste almost? 
Or is this like a soupy? What are we looking at here? Because this like, <laughs> chicken and rice is pretty thick, man. Like you could probably put together a small home. Yeah. <laughs> use it. Use just, it to, to, you could use it to like put together a brick wall in between the bricks and you know insulate that bad boy and the whole nine, man. What are we? What is this looking like? Um, it's just about the ratio, like getting the right ratio of chicken and rice and water. So I have it. I have it. So that with my, I have a good blender, but it's more of a liquid than it like is it really? to get it down. Yeah. Like I can't. You first off, you got to be sponsored by this fucking blender because that's. <laughs> it, Should. What does it taste like to actually put this down? Is it? Um, here's here. Okay, so I was you know funny enough this last podcast they were asking me questions like what's the food you could eat every single day like your favorite food like that. And I'm like, look, this isn't my favorite food. If I'm going to sit down and you're like, you can have anything you want in the world. I'm not going to say pizza because that's kind of regular. Give me something over the top. Let's talk. And, we're talking surf and turf. We're talking some mashed potatoes. Let's have some wine on the side. But I'm not having that every damn day for, for every meal. Pizza is probably something I can have every single If If, if you're like, what's something you can have every day for like every meal for a while? I can, I can make a hell of a run with pizza. How easy is this to do this eight times a day, every single day? Is this like your life? That's it? Or, or yeah? Holy shit, man! That, that's, that's I can't even wrap my head around that. How do you how do you how do you get through? It, it's really not that hard anymore. It's just a habit, like brushing my teeth. I mean, I take them at the same time every day. It's two to two and a half hours apart. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't have a big appetite, so I, there's no way I could eat eight thousand good calories a day. Yeah. Um, so I'm just like very efficient. I have a, like a busy full-time job outside of lifting and I don't, I can't spend 30 minutes trying to choke down a meal every two hours. So yeah. it's just five seconds and it's done. And do you, do you almost lose, I'm not a foodie, but I like me some good food. If I sit down with a meal, do you have, like you obviously have to have times where like you go out for a meal and you like, you know, you're, you, you sink your teeth into some steak and pizza and stuff. Like you have some times like that, right? Or are you just like, what, or like when you go with training, you're like, I can't do it. It's got to be the shakes. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, probably once or twice a week, I have regular food. Like if I miss, if I miss a shake or two or um, I have a non-training day so that I'm not eating as many calories as normal, say I might have like four shakes that day and eat some regular meals. Um, but when I'm in my habit, my routine, it's, Eight shakes a day, every day. For me, man, like I could, I, I get what you mean. You could kind of get used to it, but I would need some sweets after a while to shake this up a little bit. No pun intended. To shake it up <laughs> to have like one of these be like a peanut butter shake or something like that. But I guess, I guess when you're in, something is easy to maintain when you're in the flow of it, and you're like, this is it. I, if I if I start eating too many of something different, now I'm craving it. Outside, out of mind. When it's been like two months since I've had, if you let, let me. If you said you can't have pizza no more, the first two weeks is going to be tough. Two months later, I'm probably not even remembering that shit. I'm, I'm past it. You get you get a move. Yeah. And if you tease yourself too often with some of these other things, it actually might be a little harder than if you're just like, look, you just get it out your mind. It's not going to happen. Focus on other things. Yeah. And that's discipline. And it's, and it's not like I restrict my calories. Like when I take my shakes every two or three hours, like I'm not hungry because I'm full yeah. but uh, I'm not on a restrictive diet so it's like say I have all eight shakes and for whatever reason I'm hungry 
that night or the next morning, like I don't, I don't restrict myself from not eating, yeah. you know, getting like a bowl of cereal or yeah, getting fair. a smoothie. That's fair. Do you drink? Alcohol? Yeah. yeah. No, I've drank like three times in my life. Oh, shit. I was going to ask you. Another one would be how many beers would it take to get you drunk? But I mean, if you if you only drank three times in your life, probably not a hell of a lot. Like, how many beers? Actually, you know what? Maybe this is a better question. How many beers do you think it would be for you to get drunk? I don't even have a guess. Uh, I mean, I probably had like a beer in my life. I've not. Oh, <laughs> dude, like, that's the crazy. Just never want. Like, why is that? Do you think just discipline? You're like, man, I just don't need it. Yeah, I don't, I don't even have a good reason why not. Like uh, when I was in college, I was playing football and going through engineering school is tough. And I just, I never, I never did it. And then like fighting the peer pressure almost became like more fun in itself. Yeah. So I, I drank, uh, our, our team won our conference championship in football my senior year. And I always promised my teammates, like we win a championship, I'll drink. So that was the first time a senior in college. And then it just like something I never did, never cared to do. Do you, do you crave discipline? Do you think? Is this something that makes you feel – I mean, some people like discipline. Some people like a little bit of sacrifice, and it keeps them moving towards goals and whatnot. Do you think that's part of what it is then? Yeah, probably. I haven't thought about it like that, but probably so. Because sometimes without discipline, people – yeah, I mean, it like feels a little more chaotic than it needs to be. When there's a little bit yeah. of discipline and structure involved, you're like, I'm good. We're rocking and rolling here. But yeah. on the flip side, when you travel – what do you do when you travel and you're like literally in other cities and other, not just other cities, but other countries? Because that is one thing that um, Ray said is when he landed in Sweden, he, he had some other food. Like he's, he was actually throwing up. He had a, like a for real reaction um, when he was in Sweden. He was, he was throwing up. He was like physically ill. Um, I, don't, I think he might have even been hospitalized because he's losing. He couldn't stop throwing up. And they thought, you know, if he wasn't hospitalized, they considered it. And he wasn't sure if he caught something in a plane, which, like, planes are terrible to get sick. Um, or if it was some food that you're just not used to. Because you are so disciplined with it, when you travel to a place like Dubai, which is a whole other world, what do you do in terms of dieting what you're going to eat and try to maintain 8,000 calories so you don't kind of drop off and feel fatigued? Yeah, kind of same thing. I keep it real simple. So when I travel across the world for the international meets... I just I blend up a tub of oats, so like dry oats, and it comes out into the same powder or same like consistency as protein powder. So I bring a jug of ground up oats, a ground of whey protein, and a tub of uh, ground almonds. So I got my protein, my fat, my carbs with a shaker bottle, and as long as I got Dude. fresh water, I, just, <laughs> I, I keep up with it that way. You are all about these shakes, my man. Yeah. But you know what? Like honestly, this discipline is going to keep – it's those variables you don't have to worry about. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exa that's exactly it. You have enough variables when it comes to like equipment, when it's equipped lifting. So, I mean, this is mm -hmm. just something that if, if it's, the more variables you have control over, the less anxiety you have to have coming into a competition. Um, how many world titles have you won now? What are we at for the medal count? Uh, not, not that many. Um, if you count the Raw World Cup three, if not, then just two. Uh, that's not too bad, sir. <laughs> but but having said, so not that many. How? Because you're 32, and obviously you were saying like you could feel the effects here and there. 
how far do you see yourself? Do you have goals in terms of, is it broken down in terms of goals for specific lifts that you're like, look at for the squat, for the bench, for the dead, I want this. For the total, I want to see that. And possibly, you know, those medal counts, I would like this many medals. Do you have goals like that you want to hit before you start having this conversation with yourself about when you're going to stop having, you know, 8,000 calories and start living a normal life, so to speak? Yeah, I'm always considering that conversation and always having it with myself. Um, the whole metal count thing doesn't drive me that much. Yeah. Um, for, for whatever reason, I'm just more driven by the numbers. So uh, I have the world record for squat bench in total. Um, and I, I guess if I wanted to have like a cherry on top, it would be putting it all together in the same day because my – I've totaled over 2,800 pounds now three times. Um, but if I was able to put my best lifts together, um, so like a 500-plus kilo squat and then like a 450-plus kilo bench, I'd, I'd love to make that happen and have my total be over 2,900 pounds or like, I don't, I don't know, 1,300-something um, Kilo. kilos. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, my best three lifts add up to it, but not on the same day. So that's kind of something I'd like to hit. Is it possible you think – to hit the 3,000 mark? Uh, I would have to make the biggest room in my deadlift. So, yeah. um, I mean, I, I think if I had my best three lifts, say today, it'd be like 29.30. So the, the squat, I don't know how much more it can honestly be because it's, it's limited by the bar. Yeah. Um, like I, I've done, I've done um, velocity measurements um, and analysis on my squats with, with my training numbers and my projected max with velocities, which has been accurate for all my other that's wrong equipped is around 1200 pounds. But I just don't know the reality of that with the 20 kilo IPF bar. Um, like, so you mean literally the bar couldn't handle the load that you, you need to squat? Well, I don't think the bar is going to fail, but around say 450 to 475 kilo. So like a thousand to 1050 pounds. It starts doing this weird thing where, it doesn't whip up and down. It oscillates back and forth. Holy smokes. And, and that, that's honestly the biggest holdback of, of any of my squats. Like it's not a, it's not a strength issue or coming up with an issue. It's you start going down and it's throwing your entire body backwards yeah. and forwards. And that's, that's the thing that holds me back the most. You, I can't even imagine like you're even as like a large 390, like you're not a small man, but compared to we're talking 1200 pounds, when 1,200, that's going to, and you're, you're already sitting, you're, you're standing on two feet that are parallel with each other, obviously. So you don't have a staggered foot stance where you're trying to actually, you know, fight against it. You can't. Like if someone's got a parallel foot right in front of you, one hand you can push anybody over if they're not allowed to move their feet to adjust. In a squat, obviously you're not going to. So when you have 12,000 pounds oscillating, not up, down, but back, forth, jigging you out of position, I made that. That's like, I don't even know. It's starting to make a little more sense when you say that. Is there, and, and here's the other thing, though, Blaine. You had, this is a situation, that's a problem to troubleshoot. You are probably the only human being that's going to have this. Like, where do you turn to for an answer? Who do you talk to who's like, here's what you want to do to adjust? Nobody's dealt with this. This is totally groundbreaking. They're like, I don't know, dude, because you're the only person in the world who's going to have to worry about this. So, like, how do you figure this out? Do you have Do you have somebody 
that's coaching you, that's helping you with programming and helping you with these kind of situations? Um, I do all my own programming myself. I film all my training and analyze it myself. Um, and in terms of game day coaching, uh, Dan Gaudreau is, he's been my game day coach for, since I started in the sport. And, and so do you, cause it's tough when you're by on your own. I, I get like, it's, it's good to have control especially when nobody knows your body like you and nobody's been dealing with what you have. Like nobody's benching where you're benching, squatting where you're squatting in all these variables. Um, but is there time to like, shit, man, I kind of need somebody to bounce some ideas with, you know, in terms of like, what do you do? Was the squat deep enough? What do you think? Was this weight? Is this too much weight to use three weeks out or is this two weeks out weight? And here's the situation I'm encountering. Do you have someone you could talk to like that? I'd say the person I talk to most on that is Mike Tashir. He's, uh, in terms of online coaches these days, I think he's far and away the best. So, um, and he, he coached me for about a year or so, uh, a while back, but I just had a ton of respect for him. He's so analytical. He's thought through everything. So when I, when I get kind of stumped or want a fresh idea, um, I, Mike's the first one I hit up and then, Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of anybody going to hit up Mike Steffley, I mean, his his resume is ridiculous. He's also lifted in and out of equipment. I mean, he, if you really can't go to a guy who who programs for a classic division, this is this apples and oranges. Yeah, yeah. what it does to you. I mean, this is yeah. it, it. It really is. Um, in terms of even what the load would do to your nervous system, probably you have to adjust a yeah. whole lot different. When you're walking yeah. around with a thousand pounds on your back over on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Do you think if you ever did hit that 3000 pound mark, that's pretty much a wrap, isn't it? If, if you hit the 3000, <laughs> like if we're talking three, like, look at, if you hit 3000 pounds, what else is there to do? That, so that's, I've thought about that a ton in my head because I bet. when I was first coming up in the sport, uh, Brian Siders was, he was like the goat that everyone talked about. And he, he totaled 2,600 pounds. And when I was coming up and when I was younger, I was like, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I could ever do 2,600 pounds. That seems like it's something from a different universe. It seems yeah. impossible. Yeah. And so I did 2,600 and then like nothing changed, right? Like wake up the next day, everything's still the same. Yeah. You're, you're happy for a day, but then it's like, okay, what's next? And then, uh, then I did 2,700 pounds. And like, still nothing changed. And then the first time I did 2,800 pounds in 2016, it was like, okay, that's that's awesome, but what's what's next? So when I was coming up, I thought 2,600 pounds, like, oh my god, if I got that, it'd be insane. But I did that, and nothing was different. And there's always that next thing you're hungry for. So even if even if someday I do hit 3,000, I know that it'll be like, oh, I wonder if I could do 3,100 or yeah. You know what? Uh, I, I'm a huge Joe Rogan guy. Joe Rogan actually talked about this. He said, oftentimes, when you're coming up on, on anything, whether you're a comedian, podcaster, whatever the hell it is, okay, on the way up, you tell yourself, when I, when I, you know, if I had $10 million, you know, that's a wrap. I'm set. But you tell yourself this as though almost like when you reach this goal, the credits roll and freeze frame in that moment 
and you just live in that moment from here on out. The satisfaction after you hit it stays and that's it. And he goes, reality is you wake up the next day just like you always wake up the next day. And what are you going to do? Your day isn't full. Your day isn't full. The credits, there is no credits. It's And when you wake up the next day, the way you felt the previous day and the day before that, the day, day before that, you still feel the same. Nothing changed. It didn't change anything. You still needed a reason to get up. You still need something you're hunting. You still need something. It, it doesn't go away. You're that. It's like um, we tell ourselves it's like a hunger that if I eat this this you know this pizza, we'll say I feel appetized and then I'm good. Sure, but you wake up the next day and you got to eat again. You know, it's, it doesn't go away, just like you said. So when you're on the way up, you tell yourself, all right, you know what? Maybe when I hit this number, when I hit that number, it's it's a hard thing to tell when the hunger goes away. And you're like, you know what? I think I'm done with this. Sometimes, that's why, like, for some people, it never really goes away and it lasts forever. Do you foresee a time when, maybe it's not a goal, you know, because if the hunger's still there, the goal isn't going to satiate it. But do you think there might be a time when you're like, you know what? I'm done being almost 400 pounds. I'm done being, because even then, I'm sure like, you know, you're, you're talking with your wife, your doctor, like, look, I'm not going to be 65 years old, 400 pounds. Uh, you know, I'm not force feeding 8,000 calories. I got to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change this up. Um, and, and you know, I mean, everything, all the sacrifices you made. Do you, do you foresee that coming around like, in the future? Or do you have an exit plan in terms of that? Or if you're like, look at by 35, by 40, this is what the case is going to be. And honestly, that's something that I talk to my wife and my family about after every single meet, every year, every training cycle. Um, and I i don't have like a structured exit plan. Um, fortunately, all my health, all my physical checkup, my blood work is all good. Um, if it did get to the point where one time I go in and I have like dangerously high blood pressure and my cholesterol, this and that, and the doctor's like, listen, you got to lose weight or you're not going to be around. I, I would for sure check it in at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't have a plan. And I, as long as I don't have a plan, I kind of just keep on doing the same thing. Yeah. Ch- ch- yeah. Chasing these equipped numbers. Um, you know, strong man is something I thought about that looks oh, wow. real, real fun. And um, I've played sports my whole life. So it would be fun to do some more athletic stuff, but then strong man is so hard on the back. Like it's for someone with back problems, it's not good. And then, they tear their biceps, hamstrings all the time. Um, you know, just looking for different avenues where I can keep lifting and still be successful and competitive, but be able to drop my body weight. So I don't, I don't know what that is or when that day will come, but the conversations are always happening. It's, um, yeah, strongman, it, it can be brutal, man. Uh, like, torn caps, biceps, like they, it's because they're – at least with what you guys are doing in terms of powerlifting, um, it's up and down linear movements. So the bar path is linear. You're relatively safe. When you've got equipment on, you're, you're lifting weights that your, your body is just like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? But with strongmen, they can wear squat suits, but they're also there. So they're also lifting ungodly amount of weight that your body's like, hello. But also when you're, you're picking things up and dragging and pulling and throwing. So, yeah, the tears can be can be vicious. Yeah, that's why when these dudes like Zajuna Savikas end up going into their early forties and still winning World's Strongest Man, it's 
It's crazy. But on the flip side, strongman is one of those sports, not quite as bad as pro wrestling, but we all know like those pro wrestlers that were checking out at like 55. You know, strongman is one of those deals where, you know, if you, if you push it, fly too close to the sun type deal. It would be weird. Most powerlifters who aren't 120 kilo plus, um, they retire and they pretty much, their, their life is almost the same in terms of their day to day. How much food they're eating, how big they are, how strong they are, whatever, maybe dips a little bit, but it's relative. But when you're 120 plus, like how your life can change like drastically. You will, you can go from 400, let's round up, it's 10 pounds, let's round up. You could go from 400 pounds to like, um, to, what are we thinking? If you're like 230, dude, you're a different human being. Do, yeah. do, do you yeah. think about, do you ever think about, like, I can't even fathom what it would be like being one man in a year later being like an almost entirely different human being. Like, that's going to be some trippy stuff. That might take a little getting used to. And being like, hey, man, there was a time when I was walking around with a thousand pounds on my back. You know what? Like, mm-hmm. and, like, do you think mentally you'd be able to, you'd be prepared for, holy, like, can you even picture being that much smaller? And look at 230, 240, 250 is a fucking big dude. A dude who's 250 walks around, people are like, that's a big jack. And you're going to be a muscular dude. You're going to be big. But mentally, is it going to be tough to say goodbye to being able to squat a thousand pounds and shit like that? Oh, without a doubt. And yeah. that, everything you said has been stuff that's gone through my head. Yeah. And that, I mean, I don't know. Like, because uh, if I say I decided to do the strongman route, like, it would be, okay, I'm going to get into this, but I know I'm going to get my body weight down to 300 or something. I know I'm not going to stay at 400 or maybe it's just lift like a gym bro and do some squat bench and deadlift just for health and heavy benefits, but know that I'm going to take my weight down to hundred pounds and get lean and knowing that my lifts are going to absolutely tank. Yeah. Um, I've, I've thought about different avenues and, um, you know, don't have a, plan or timeline though it's that's what the toughest is because right now and it's probably weird to think about for yourself but you're walking around you're one of the strongest men in the world and there's seven billion people in the world i don't know what that's like to lay down in bed and be like i'm one of the strongest men in the world that's some that's some weird shit like not, i'm not talking weight classes i'm not talking ipf points you know we're this is legit absolute strength there are very few people who lay down at bed at night look up at the ceiling and be like like when you're a little kid and you're talking about growing up and you're actually living that where you're like, holy shit, I, there, I, I'm doing things. We're talking very small percentage of people can even relate to. I was 7 billion people. That's a tough. I, so I get it. That'd be a tough thing to be like, like when family members and people are like, is this the last year? That is, it's like, listen to me. When you're a little kid, every little kid, every little boy dreams of this. This is what I'm giving up. Like, that's, that's not an easy give up. That's not an easy... When people talk to you about it, it's like, I, n- nobody understands. Nobody could understand. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Certain I don't have to eat eight shakes a day anymore. I get it. I don't have to have my time consumed on certain things. I get to live certain other aspects of life. I've been, but also, you're, it's, like, it's like Superman turning in his cape. I mean, I'm good now. That's, that's a big mm-hmm. turn in. That's a big... There's no going back. You're not going to put on another... Guess what, honey? I changed my mind. We're putting 200 pounds back on. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know that's the reality too, that when I decide it's done, that I got to be fully committed because I'm not going to be able to 
step away from equipped numbers and the numbers I move in and drop a bunch of weight. And then a year later be like, oh, I want to get it back. Cause I just, it's I know how hard it, it is to get to that level and then even maintain that level. And I know when I do take a step back, it's not, there's no going back. No, it's gotta be 100. So you gotta be at peace with it. You gotta be like, mm -hmm. I'm good. I mean, and you, you've already done, look, you've broken world records. You've won world titles. You've had like sporting rivalries. You can look back at fondly and, and recall over, yeah, I was about to say over beers, but that, over a lot there or whatever. Over, but so you've got your stories and you've got your war stories and everything. So it helps. But even then, there's that different sacrifice that like, look at man, you could be 83 kilo world champion and um, you're not giving up the world's strongest man title. You're just retiring almost. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like very few people are going to yeah. react to that kind of thing. However, yeah, there is an upside. Yeah, I mean, you have you. It's easier to focus on different goals. Like, what am I going to look like at 250 pounds? How jacked? Mm -hmm. How jacked up am I going to be? You know how how good is it going to feel? You know, like it, you things can change. You just it, but it's going to be a total refocus of your mindset. It's going to be a yeah. whole 180. That's actually going to be a, an amazing process when you decide to hang it up. Just to document and have people follow even that process. The way up. The staying on top in all the battles and everything, and then after that, being like, we got a new, we got a new one going, and very few people see that. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting, my friend. So what's next? Yeah. What's next for you? We got the Arnold. Uh, what are we looking at for the Arnold? Yeah. Uh, so we got the Arnold next. Usually my game plan is always the same. It's like go in with the numbers that I always open at and take some big swings and. If it's there that day, it'll be awesome. If it's not, oh well. It's what um, it is. Yeah. And then did uh actually last week I got back from LA for this, I don't know if you'd seen it, but this Strength Wars movie documentary. Um, I haven't seen it. No. So it was, yeah, Generation Iron is doing it. Oh, okay. Um, so they got uh, eight strength athletes to kind of film us in our everyday life and then flew out to LA for this Strength Wars competition. Um, so it's going to be a Netflix documentary. It'd be pretty cool. It's going to turn out well. No shit on Netflix too. Yeah. Wow, dude, that's pretty. That's pretty exciting. Who else was in this? Um, Larry Wheels, Jerry Pritchett, oh, wow. Teron Beckham, uh, MDO Champ, Big Nietzsche, uh, German, a couple German guys, uh, Leonidas, um, the Anabolic Horse. Oh wow! So there's and then myself, so eight of us. Um, and what, what what were you guys do? They just following your training, or? Yeah, so the, I mean, there used to be a really big YouTube series on it in in Europe about yeah. strength wars. Yeah, and it was entertaining. So it's, it's kind I of like, like what that. They did. Yeah, yep. So they um, Generation Iron bought the Strength Wars brand and oh. are doing a a movie documentary on it, and should be out I think summer or fall this year. So were you guys doing, because I remember, I liked what they did, the concept of, they went head-to-head -head showdowns, when it wasn't for a single rep, it was like for several reps, head-to-head, -head, but some of these dudes were wearing like WWE-style costumes, in masks, exactly. and they had like crazy names, and, um, and because it was rep after rep after rep, it was an ongoing drama of... Like, you know, fatigue, so it's like, is he going to quit? Can he muscle through it? You see a lot of grinding and a lot of heart. Um, and some upset victories and, and, and swaying back and forth 
of like momentum, who's in the lead, who's gonna, and some guy coming up from behind and winning. Was it like that in terms of what what they did? Yeah, it was exactly like that. Oh so. snap! Really? So yeah. So, so you partake partake in that? Yeah. So I, I was oh, kind of dreading dude. it because like. I mean, I'm an equipped powerlifter. I train for singles. Like I do reps yeah. on my accessories, but I, I know I knew the rest of the cast, and I was like, "Dang, these guys, these guys got reps and reps and reps yeah. and conditioning and this and that, um, and a ton of movements that I've never even touched, like stones or log press, strongman and crossfit type stuff." Yeah. Um, so, but it is a lot of fun. Here's the thing: 100%. I got you where. Yeah, those dudes like like Larry Wheels and them. They do like the pressing off the shoulders and like they're that's in their wheelhouse. And they they do AM wraps. I, I follow Larry. I follow like a lot of those dudes. They love their AM wraps with heavy weight and like it, it's different. You're not doing AM wraps and fucking equipment. You're gonna slice your legs open. Like can, I can't imagine wearing a squat suit and AM wrapping. It's like okay, three. That's my AM wrap. <laughs> right? Like it's yeah. way too uncomfortable. So I got you were. When you get invited to that, you're like, okay, well, it's not exactly, you know, potatoes and potatoes, but it's, it's, you know, it's not a direct comparison. However, the opportunity to be on Netflix, like, let, let me tell you, the YouTube series, which is probably a fraction of the budget that those boys had for the Netflix version, very entertaining. It was very entertaining. And I'm glad that that dude actually got a payout that they came, bought it without just knocking off his idea and changing the name and a couple things. They're like, we're going to do this right. Let's buy it out. Beautiful. Everybody, that's win-win. Mm-hmm. But your opportunity to be on Netflix, it really doesn't matter how it shakes up. You're in the midst of eight dudes who are the strongest guys in the world. It's fun. Yeah. It's just fun. You, you can't, you've already proven how strong you are. It's not like someone's going to watch that and be like, oh, he's not that strong. Well, it's kind of already proven how strong the guy is. <laughs> you, you're, you're past that. You're past the proving your strong point. So at that point, it's like, fuck it. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah, the timing of it wasn't great because it's right before the Arnold, but it was exactly that. It was an opportunity that I'm like, man, I can't. I can't say no to this. I didn't know. I'm not going to get these again. Are you, how much of it are you allowed to talk about? Um, I can talk about everything except for revealing Results. the winners. Yeah. yeah. So you guys, like, it, so they flew you in. Is this, like, in a studio with an audience just like the YouTube version was? Yeah, it was at um, Metroflex Gym in Long Beach. And they pack in, because the YouTube had, a like, not a crazy big audience, but they had an audience cheering, and it was pretty hype, man. They had commentators, announcers, tailor the tape. Like, I know you probably don't even see all the production end of it because you were there live doing it. So I don't know how much you know about that, but, like, what kind of experience was that? Like, were you nervous? Were you it, like, holy shit, this is kind of wild? No, it was, it was weird. Like, I get nervous before I compete in powerlifting, but I didn't really get nervous for this at all, except for, like, maybe a tiny bit right before the event started, just because it's like, I, I don't even know what to expect out of myself. I got to do 10 reps of this and 10 reps of that and 20 reps of this, stuff I've never done. So it's like, not like I'm letting myself down or not yeah. reaching my, reaching my, what I'm capable of, because I just don't, I don't even know how to do this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, so you didn't have any kind of pressure on yourself that you need to perform. You're kind of like, look at me. I'm just here. I'm going to, I'm going to make the most of it and have fun. Yeah, exactly. I can't believe, dude, this is, that is, that is, I'm glad you said this because that is wild that Netflix is doing it. That's a really big move. 
Like look at the SPD situation with the SPD Invitational, even if not equipped. For powerlifting in general, that's huge. For all the mm -hmm. sport in general to have that kind of cash prize, have that many eyeballs on it, it's big for everybody. It's good for everybody. For Netflix to be purchasing Strength Wars branding and bringing in powerlifters like yourself and Larry and all those guys and some strongman and everyone sprinkled in, it's not directly powerlifting, but still, like, for strength sports and Netflix to be buying in and seeing it, you start seeing how... You know, we can start growing the sport. We need Netflix to buy it. I hope, hopefully, it does well. Yeah. Man. Like being on the grassroots yeah. of of SBDs, big. This might even be bigger, dude. I didn't realize this was happening. Yeah, hopefully, I represented for the powerlifters well. Larry's obviously a powerlifter too. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm the only one that's a only a powerlifter. Yeah. Um, but it, it based on how the competition went. And hearing the feedback from the producers and everything, they're they're pumped. It's going to turn out very well. And did you go full Ultimate Warrior style, face paint, psyched up? Did you go full Blaine like we know? I went full Vanilla Gorilla. Oh hell yeah! Oh hell! Oh yeah! Oh, they had to have called you Vanilla Gorilla. Yeah. They have to call you that too as your name. And and was it a little different? Because I think it'd be weird in terms of trying to pace yourself. Like, you know, when you can go all out and smash a single, but when you got, like, and rap after and rap after and rap, I know what you mean where you'd be like, I don't, like, do I, I mean, am I trying to pace myself with my excitement, or am I just put the foot on the gas and chips are going to fall where they may? If I gas out, I'm swinging for the fences. I'm either going to hit this bad boy right out the park or I'm going to fall on my face, but this bat is swinging. Yeah, I had to pace myself for sure. And I knew I was going to have to do that because it's, I knew if I went into any one of the movements like fully psyched up just to crush it that I'd blow my gas and be done. So I, yeah. I kind of had a feeling for how difficult some of the stuff might be based on the warm-ups and kind of just tried to have some strategy and pace myself based on how that went. When you got the news, how, how psyched up were you? Dude, this is, this is crazy. Isn't life nuts? These things that can just yeah. pop up where Netflix calls and is like, hey, Blake. You got a weekend for free? I could probably clear my schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was I was stoked. I mean, it was. I got a, a busy life with job unrelated to lifting, and it's tough and stressful to take time away and let things interfere with that. But I just tried to keep it in check and be like, man, it's, it's a good opportunity. You've got to be excited about it. I mean, this is it, man. You know, like in life, nothing lasts forever. We're just talking about like exit strategy, et cetera. These are the things that you check off where you're like, I had to run. You know, like when you leave no stone left unturned, it's a little easier to be at peace. And this is like, man, that's a hell of a, you're living the life, man. You're living the, these experiences. Um, 2020 as well. Where's the world championships? It's in Norway. And is that November. The, and that's the goal again? Yeah, I honestly haven't thought that far ahead. I, uh, I probably should, but our, our nationals for equipped comes up pretty quick. It's in May. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, as of now, I'm planning on doing that and yeah. assuming that goes fine, I'll probably won't make a decision and just assume that I'm doing worlds. Keep this train moving, man. You never know what tomorrow's going to bring. Netflix might yeah. have a season two and they need the vanilla gorilla. Break out the war paint. <laughs> Break out the war paint. That's right. Listen, my man, we've had you on damn near 90 minutes. Greatly appreciate it. Um, I mean, you've, you've got you've got some hell of a stories behind you. Uh, I wanted to connect because you had a hell of a comeback 
you know, taking a 2019, overcoming the adversity. And um, I didn't mean the story even, was even better than I thought. I didn't know the whole background between, you know, you and the other gentleman in terms of sporting rivals and like just how bad that cut was bad. But my God, man, when there's pieces of you all over the gym, you're finding three weeks later, I, I half think your grandkids are going to find a piece of you under a drawer somewhere. <laughs> this was grandpa. <laughs> I'm going to keep it and cultivate it. You know what I mean? This is like a crazy superhero movie where someone's going to put that piece in a Petri dish and four generations are going to bring you back as like a supervillain, but uh, the vanilla gorilla. But uh, listen, appreciate your time, man. Good luck at the Arnold Classic. Um, let's keep in touch. I can't flip and wait to watch the Strength Boys. I'm going to message you as soon as I see you. As, as soon as I see that thing, I'll, I'll hit you up. And uh, man, I would love to have you back. All right. Okay, my friends, keep in touch. Sounds good. See you, buddy. See ya. Damn. Strength Wars with uh, Netflix is going in. So if you're not familiar with Strength Wars, they do things like bench squat deads, but also do like log press and um, a little more strong man involved as well. But it's always for wraps. So it's like a blend of like CrossFit, powerlifting, strongman. It's in an arena, so there's not a whole lot of pushing, pulling, like some strongman where it's going to be pulling planes, flipping cars type deal. But the YouTube series, if you ever get a chance to see it, really, like, extremely entertaining. It blew up millions and millions and millions of views on the YouTube series. And this was, like, the product in terms of how much money they had to play with the budget. Way lower. For Netflix to get involved, I know the budget they, they shot towards us, but it's going to be more than the YouTube ad. And YouTube is phenomenal. So... If this does millions of views like the YouTube did on Netflix, and Netflix likes what they see, man, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but oh damn, what are we talking about here? This is what we need is, is networks like Netflix seeing the value of the strength sports. Strength sports, period. It's good for like strongman. It's good for powerlifting. Look, at when strongman has documentaries like that, I get it. It's not powerlifting. But you're kidding yourself if you don't think there's a little bit of, well, all, every single boat in that harbor is not rising a little bit. It's still a strength sport. There's a reason why they had this idea and they're, they're like, well, let's get a world champion powerlifter. And they reach out to Blaine. There's a reason why. Because there's a connection there. You know, there's a connection. There. So it's, it's important when these kind of things pop up. It does impact us. Hopefully it does well, man. I'm, I'm going to watch. It, it was, it, the YouTube series is phenomenal. We'll see what happens in the future. Um, yeah, and those were some good stories, man. I didn't realize the uh, the animosity between Andre from Russia, who was a world champion, and Blaine, and it got. Yeah, I mean, it still stayed sporting. Yeah, I'm not gonna throw Andre under the bus. Andre probably listen to the podcast or or get the translation, just like my man Blaine got the translation of his, and be like, hey, look, it, I never crossed the line. I wasn't going at this guy on any personal level. I said squats were high. Let's not get it twisted. So fair play, he kept it sporting. But um, sometimes you awaken a monster. Blaine had those quotes up on his wall. If you've ever seen Blaine train this guy, he's super laid back and chill right here. This guy turns into the ultimate warrior when he, when he competes and when he trains. And now you see, man, these are the mental games that the tip of the spear athletes, they use. Sometimes you're throwing fuel on the fire when you do that. I get it. Sometimes you're putting pressure on a guy. Guys don't like pressure. They shy away and it actually messes with them. Sometimes... You're throwing gas on the flame. And that's exactly what he did with Blaine. 
That's exactly what he did with Blake. But anyways, um, if you're listening, please do subscribe on all the audio platforms, YouTube, Tick Clips, throw it up in your Instagram stories. We will repost from Six Pack Lapidat. Until next time, peace.